My hope is to inspire you to see that you're not messed up, you're not broken, you're not defective, nothing is wrong with you. Literally, you can become the version of you that you want to be with everything that you have. Who you are at your core is enough. There is enough there to evolve into whatever it is you want to evolve into. And that is really what I want to get across to you and to all women is just for us to remember how talented and capable we are. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik, and my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Oh my goodness. I am so excited to share this week's episode with you. I have been working on this forever. Oh my goodness. Okay. (laughs) I haven't even introduced myself. Hello. My name is Jess. I'm the host of this podcast. I'm a career coach for women. I'm here to help you build confidence. I went on my own journey when I was in my corporate career of finding my voice and building confidence. I really, really struggled with self-confidence, as you're going to hear about in this episode. And that is why I do this podcast and I do the coaching work that I do is to help you find your voice and grow your confidence. The reason that I'm all fired up and excited about today's episode is because I'm sharing a personal essay, a piece of writing that I have written that I have literally been working on forever. So I started writing this and I got blocked and I got stuck. And then this was like a year ago. And then I picked it back up and I started writing it more. And then it evolved into something else and became a different episode, which I will link in the show notes called quote unquote normal women. And it was a personal essay about me grappling with feeling like defective and not normal. And I never actually completed the original personal essay that I had been trying to write for so long. For some reason, it was like blocked or like stuck within me. Um, But it is called So Tell Me About Yourself Phobia with So Tell Me About Yourself in quotation marks. And it's about an experience that I had in my corporate career where whenever I would get asked, so tell me about yourself at a networking event or a job interview, that question would send me into a tailspin of insecurity. It was such a sensitive, like hair trigger for me to hear people ask that question. And the essay that I'm sharing with you in today's podcast episode is all about why because it wasn't the question itself that was the problem, but it was all of my fears and doubts and insecurities that this question really poked at that made this question feel so big and so scary for me to answer. It used to feel so scary and so vulnerable and so exposing for me to answer this open-ended question of like, talk about yourself, tell us who you are, tell us what you do. 
And this is an essay about my experience with that question. And my hope is that you might see parts of yourself in my experience and in my story. I have a few different podcast episodes that are in this particular style where I'm reading something that I wrote. So if you like this, you will really like those other episodes. And I will link them in the show notes so that you can find them because they're a little bit hard to find on your own now that there's 200 plus episodes in the podcast archive. I'm so excited for you to hear this very intimate, very raw piece of writing about myself and my struggles. It is truly about a really big barrier and obstacle that I faced and overcame in my career. And my hope is that you can see that you're able to face and overcome any obstacles you might be experiencing around fear or insecurity or doubting yourself or having trouble speaking about yourself confidently during the moments that matter. And now it is time to cut in to my essay. It is called So Tell Me About Yourself Phobia, and the name is going to make sense as you listen. I hope you enjoy. There are so many things I used to hate about job interviews. I hated that the clothes I wanted to wear, bright polka dots and flamboyant colors, weren't the clothes that I knew would land me the job. I hated that I'd always spend time doing my makeup and hair, and yet somehow, the moment I stepped into that interview, I'd feel like the least powerful, least sparkly, least attractive version of myself ever. I hated how I didn't know what the interviewer was thinking of me, and I hated the feeling of walking into an office full of people who already knew each other. I hated knowing that I was the outsider, who may or may not be invited back in. I hated how much my human body sweats, no matter the weather conditions, no matter the deodorant, and I hated the way my sweat felt like the physical manifestation of my imposter syndrome, a stinky, shameful secret that I had to hide from everyone. I hated so many things about job interviews, but there was nothing I hated more than being asked this one dreaded question. So, tell me about yourself. This question sounds innocent on the surface, doesn't it? It sounds harmless, unassuming, and so very casually open-ended. Almost as though the interviewer is doing me a service by giving me a space to speak about myself. Almost as though I should feel a spark of joy upon being asked this question. But this question did the very opposite of spark joy within me. Instead, it would make me feel a rush of anxiety and panic. To help you understand why, I have to take you inside my imagination. Warning, it's a little bit scary in there. So you know those file cabinets that you sometimes see in a legal office or behind the reception desk at the dentist? The ones that are filled with folders containing documents and records all sorted by alphabetical order and housed inside a library of shelves or file cabinets. I sometimes think of my life experiences as being like the contents of one of those file cabinets. The file cabinet of my life contains a ton of brightly colored labeled folders summarizing every major component of my life and career to date. Inside the proverbial file cabinet of my life, 
There are lots of folders that contain contents that I feel super proud of. These folders have labels like career successes, accomplishments, and noteworthy talents. Inside these folders are the tales, stories, and summaries of all the amazing things I've accomplished. I like to think of these as the quote-unquote good folders. But if you go all the way to the messy, disorganized back end of my file cabinet, you will find a series of crinkled up, questionable looking folders that have been shoved in the back. These are the quote unquote bad folders. If you investigate these folders, you'll see that they're labeled with things like mental health issues and professional failures. There's one folder back there labeled shameful secrets and another labeled shit you won't find on my resume. There's one folder back there labeled personal and professional conflicts and falling outs and another labeled law school, my $200,000 mistake. There's also one regrettably very thick folder labeled times I cried in front of my boss. Whenever an interviewer would say, so tell me about yourself, it felt like they were opening the drawer to my file cabinet and asking me to pull out a file and read it to them. This ask would make me feel afraid and exposed. I feared that even if I tried to only pull out one of the quote-unquote good folders to share with them, that one of the quote-unquote bad folders would accidentally slip out from the messy back end of the file cabinet as I lifted out the good folder. I'd grab a beautiful, shiny folder titled Professional Achievements, and I'd open it up so that I could share the contents of it with my interviewer, but it wouldn't matter. My interviewer would quickly get distracted and point at the folder that had accidentally slipped out and was now lying next to the file cabinet on the floor. They'd interrupt me and ask, wait, what's that over there? And I'd look and see them pointing to the ground at a dilapidated looking folder with a giant all caps label that read, less than stellar performance reviews. While I had every intention of shoving this folder to the back of the cabinet so it wouldn't ever see the light of day, it had slipped out and there it was, lying face up in broad daylight for both of us to see. And suddenly, it wouldn't matter how much good and shiny stuff was contained within the professional achievements folder that I was now holding rather limply in my hands. The cat was out of the bag, My interviewer was on to me, and in that moment, I knew it was over. I'd hastily scoop up that dreaded folder that had spilled onto the floor, bending down awkwardly in my pencil skirt, shove it back into the file cabinet, and run straight out of that interview room knowing full well that I wouldn't be seeing that person ever again. Now, to be clear, this file cabinet that I speak of exists only in my imagination, And I know and have always known what I'm supposed to say when an interviewer says, so tell me about yourself. I'd enter into job interviews with the answer to that question quite literally in my hands, written neatly on a piece of yellow legal pad paper that was nestled carefully inside my black leather resume folder. My pre-planned answer to, so tell me about yourself, would usually read something like, As an ex-McKinsey strategist, I bring a dynamic blend of corporate strategy expertise and soft skills. 
I'm equally comfortable breaking down difficult, meaty business problems as I am building relationships and getting buy-in from executive level stakeholders, even on super complex or hot button problems and issues. I excel at executive communication and my effectiveness as a strategist comes not just from my business acumen, but also from my ability to speak the language of executives and know exactly how to serve their business objectives at each and every juncture. This job opportunity excites me because of the unique business challenges your company is navigating and the problem solving that I believe I can bring to the table. It was all there. My answer to, so tell me about yourself, was pre-decided, pre-written, and quite literally in the palm of my hands. And yet, when asked the question, I couldn't bring myself to utter the words. The instant I'd hear the interviewer say, so tell me about yourself, I'd think about that answer and I'd see it clearly in my mind. But before I could open my mouth, a haunting thought would flash across my psyche. Jess, what if a therapist asked you, so tell me about yourself during an initial therapy session? What would you say to them? Suddenly, in my mind's eye, I'd see a therapist's office complete with old paintings hanging on the wall, a desk covered with messy paperwork, and a long leather couch. I'd see the therapist sitting in the chair, holding a notebook, and then myself sitting anxiously on the sofa. And then I'd begin imagining what my real answer to, so tell me about yourself, actually is. Well, I'd say to the therapist, in response to the question, I've struggled with feeling insecure my entire life. I lean on perfectionism and overachievement to get things done, but beneath the surface is a dark internal experience that often has me feeling messed up and broken. My achievements slip from my memory like sand, and no matter what I've accomplished, I can't seem to remember how. So replicating and building on my successes feels frustrating and impossible. I suppress my emotions, and yet I'm emotionally volatile all at the same time. The worst of both worlds! I compartmentalize until I can't anymore, and then I explode, sometimes at work. I call in sick on days I'm not actually sick, but just on days when my internal psychological landscape feels too broken and fragile, and I can't bring myself to face the world around me. I've done therapy before, but it didn't seem to work. I've never been formally diagnosed, but I think I have either ADHD, OCD, GAD, PTSD, CPTSD, or possibly all of them, but definitely some of them. I beat myself up constantly to the point where it interferes with my ability to execute. And sometimes if I get harsh feedback or get put on the spot or have to speak to a big group of people, my body falls into a trauma response. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. As I reflect on my imaginary therapist's office answer to, so tell me about yourself, I feel awestruck by how different my two answers to this question are. I look up at my interviewer wondering, do they know just how wide the gap is between my two different answers to this question? And in that moment, it doesn't matter how prepped or ready I was with my original answer. I had memorized it line for line. I knew it inside and out, but none of that mattered. And in that moment, 
All I feel is the internal turmoil and overwhelm of trying to answer a question that pokes and prods at my deepest insecurities. As I clutch that leather resume folder in my hands, I feel my two very different answers to the so tell me about yourself question fighting against one another. And it is a messy, bloody battle. My powerful, positive answer, the one that's written inside my black leather folder, throws the first punch. Tell them how talented you are. But then, bam, my therapist's office answer strikes back with a painful blow. Oh, you mean lie to them? My good answer, bloody and tired, makes a second attempt. You're not lying to them. You're telling them exactly what they need to know about you. And then my therapist's office answer takes another aggressive swing. Imagine if you told your interviewer the real answer to this question. You would never get the job. As these two stories duel inside my mind, I become increasingly aware that my interviewer is waiting for me to give an answer, and I start to feel a sense of panic and urgency. I know I need to move forward, but the internal battle between the two stories has me feeling paralyzed and stuck. The fight between them continues to escalate, and I can see that it isn't going to end anytime soon. At the same time, I am keenly aware that the clock is ticking, the interviewer is waiting for me, and that I have to say something. And then, the frustrating combination of stuckness and urgency leads me to a horrifying solution that has infiltrated so many moments of my career and that haunts me even to this day. Neither story is able to win the battle, and so they reach a compromise. And out of my mouth comes a dulled, muted, old, and dusty-sounding version of the powerful story that I had scribbled on that piece of yellow paper so diligently the night before. I hear the words as I listen to myself speak, and I can feel that this limp and lifeless answer that I'm sharing with the interviewer just isn't right. But it's too late. I've already started talking. The assertive tone in my voice is eclipsed by a subtle but juvenile giggliness that I can feel is not my real voice, and the words I share lose their power, their punch, their certainty, kind of like a pool inflatable that is only inflated 60% of the way. It sort of resembles the real thing, but there is a sadness, an emptiness, a droopiness to it. Well, I say to the interviewer, I'm strong at strategy and the people side. I love sinking my teeth into a complex business problem, and I'd love to bring that to your company and team. And then there's a painful pause, which there should be, because my answer lands like a stale glass of wine. I'm certain my interviewer is silent because they are waiting for more, because they know and I know that what I just shared doesn't contain much of anything at all. If pieces of paper felt emotions the way humans do, I'm certain that the yellow paper inside my black leather folder that had my beautiful answer written on it was weeping silently, tears streaming down the page and smudging the ink until it became unreadable. And suddenly, I feel the energy in the interview room drop, and my internal radar can sense that although the interviewer is engaging with me politely, the rest of the conversation has become a formality. I can feel it quite viscerally within myself. 
There is no way I'm getting this job. As I exit the office after the interview, the naive, hopeful part of me thinks, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they liked me. Maybe I misread the situation. But sure enough, I receive a disappointing email from the recruiter just a few days later. What has pained me most about these rejections is that they always confirmed what I knew to be true as I sat in that interview room, that my compromised answer had compromised me. Whenever I would get rejected from a job, I would never be told they didn't like me. Each and every rejection contained something that sounded like, we really liked you and it came down to you and one other person and we went with the more traditional fit for the role. When I hear these words, it all makes sense to me. Everything lines up. I was good, but not great. Fine, but not memorable. Competent, but not confident in myself. Instead of speaking powerfully during that interview, I spoke about myself in a way that was stale and lukewarm. Of course I wasn't their first choice. How could I be? And while I can't know what really happened behind the scenes, I do know what happened inside myself in that interview room. I saw it, I lived it, and I felt it. I didn't have the courage, the emotional resilience, the internal agility to speak powerfully when faced with the intense internal storm of my own fears and insecurities. The choppy waters of my fearful psyche were too aggressive for me to navigate, so I drowned in them, and the version of me that the interviewer met wasn't actually me. What happened in that interview room was subtle. It was quick. It was not at all detectable to the untrained eye, but it was self-sabotage at its finest. It was a dulling of the moments where I knew exactly how to shine, a shrinking of my bigness, a series of white lies told about myself because I hadn't yet built the internal capacity to tell the truth about my gifts and talents during the moments where I felt lost, exposed, and scared. During those interviews that I did in the early days of my career, I didn't know what I now know to be true that it's not my job to worry about telling my interviewer the therapist's office version of, so tell me about yourself. That answer is not meant for them. The truth is, the person who needs to hear, to learn, to fully understand that answer, and decide to quote-unquote hire me anyways, is me. It was me who needed to face the messy, unfiltered truths about myself and make peace with them in order to be able to stay strong when the self-doubt came flooding in. It was me who needed to believe that the flawed entirety of who I am is precisely why I am valuable and that the messier bits of my humanity are an asset and not a problem. It was me who needed to understand that in the file cabinet of my life, the bad folders don't need to be shoved to the back and that they actually play a very important role. They do a delicate dance, a sort of balancing act with the good folders, kind of like a delicious soup or stew. The spices that make it taste hearty and rich do not taste good on their own. Black pepper does not taste good if you eat it plain. Cumin, gross. Garlic powder, offensive. That pumpkin spice mixture that people go so nuts over? 
disgusting if you eat it by itself. And yet, when we season with these spices, our food is better, richer, tastier. What is harsh and offensive when consumed on its own is often the most important component of the dish. The contents of my quote-unquote bad folders and the flaws that I contain as a human are the spices inside the file cabinet of my identity and my life. And while I know it is not a good idea to inhale them by the tablespoon, I also know that if I get rid of them, then I lose all the flavor, all the deliciousness, and all the notes and sensations that make me who I am. Now when I get asked, so tell me about yourself, I answer in a way I feel proud of. Not because I've eliminated my fears and insecurities, but because I hold them closely and dearly within myself. I see their value, and I feel much more at peace with the entirety of who I am, bad folders and all. And when that internal psychological storm of fear and insecurity tries to drown me, I swim. I see the storm coming, I grab my goggles and my flippers, and I do my best to move in sync with those scary, aggressive waters. Yes, it is hard. Yes, it is tiring and it makes my muscles ache. Yes, it is much easier when I don't have to swim through a raging storm. But every time I swim, my muscles get a little bit stronger. My mind gets a little bit clearer and my confidence becomes just a little bit more rooted, a little more enduring, a little more ingrained into the very core of who I am. It's as if I've added a new folder to the file cabinet. This folder is labeled integration. It tells the tale of my journey of understanding and making peace with the contents of my file cabinet. It speaks of my courage to open the bad folders and learn more about what's inside of them. It reminds me that it's okay if the file cabinet gets messy or chaotic over time. And it lets me know that it's normal and human to have to go back in and reorganize the file cabinet just when I thought I had sorted it all out. It reminds me to resist the urge to burn or hide my quote-unquote bad folders because when I try to eliminate them, I deny the complexity of my own humanity and I lose my connectedness to other humans. It reminds me that it's okay to be a complicated, illogical, messy person, and it is even okay to not always have the answers or even to fully understand myself. But mostly, it reminds me that if I'm just willing to slow down and take a deep breath, I can face whatever hard or scary thing is in front of me. Whether it's an interviewer asking me a triggering question, a terrifying room full of people I'm about to give a big speech to, or just a moment of debilitating self-doubt that I'm forced to navigate in the presence of other people. I know that if I go slow, breathe deeply, and put one foot in front of the other, I am definitely going to get through it. I share this with you because I believe that whatever hard thing you are navigating, you are going to get through it too. And while I know it can feel so very hard when you're in the thick of it, I also know that you'll come out of it on the other side stronger, more certain, 
and with a deeper knowing that not even the hardest question or scariest meeting or most embarrassing moment is capable of taking you down. You'll come out the other end with a deep knowing that you are a woman who knows how to navigate choppy waters. And next time someone asks you, so tell me about yourself, you'll answer them with power and polish and pride, not because you believe you're perfect, but because you've seen just how resilient and awe-inspiring the imperfect version of you truly is. Thank you so much for listening. Every time I share a piece of my writing, it feels incredibly vulnerable because it is the easiest medium for me to express myself, which is what makes it the most exposing and the most intimate for me to share. But my hope is that maybe you see pieces and snippets of fragments of yourself in my story. And if I can accomplish one thing, which is just to help you be a little kinder to yourself, a little more accepting of yourself, a little more compassionate towards yourself, then it is well worth it. And I have done the work that I am here to do. I know that so many of you want big confidence and you want to feel bold and badass and powerful. And so many of my clients who work with me and get to know me and spend time with me are surprised to learn that so much of this work at the core of it is learning to have a stronger, more loving relationship with yourself. That is what enables you to have the courage to take up space and to be bold and show up big, even if you feel exposed or even if you're facing something challenging. That is what I am all about. And my hope is to inspire you to see that you're not messed up, you're not broken, you're not defective, nothing is wrong with you. Literally, you can become the version of you that you want to be with everything that you have. Who you are at your core is enough. There is enough there to evolve into whatever it is you want to evolve into. And that is really what I want to get across to you and to all women is just for us to remember how talented and capable we are. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. It is an honor and a joy to have you listening. Thank you for giving me your time and your attention and your heart. And I will catch you in next week's episode. Bye.